Iran furious at the United Arab Emirates for negotiating a peace deal with Israel. A restaurant in China gets in trouble for weighing customers before they sit down. And the chairman of the Irish Tourism Authority resigns. This is the world at large, and we are Politics 1001. Politics 1001. The world at large. Thank you for tuning into the World at Large, brought to you by Politics 1001. Before we begin, just a quick reminder to give us a follow, share this with a friend, and leave a review. Please enjoy this episode of the World at Large. Alright folks, welcome to another episode of the World at Large, my favorite podcast on the internet. It is one of the best, I've got to say. Today, Josh is sitting down to tell me about Iran and the UAE and the peace deal that's going on. So without further ado, Josh, enlighten us. Yes. So a peace deal has been signed in the Middle East. This is one of the most historical arrangements of probably the 21st century, debatably, because this is the first time um, since 1994 that an Arab country has recognized the state of Israel as a legitimate nation. They acknowledge wow. their existence. Um, Whoa. This seems, this it might seem small, like, oh, you acknowledge Israel exists. Wow. But this is actually huge. I mean, the, the Arab, the Arab coalition that formed against Israel since independence, um, as a means of almost destroy, like countering Zionism and countering the uh, existence of Israel and advocating for the Palestinian rights, as mm-hmm. the Arabs put it, um, is something that has existed for so long. And you start to see these Arab countries um, almost not necessarily abandon the Palestinian cause, but become more pro-Israeli. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? But the main one, of course, is not because they necessarily, again, want to just ditch the Palestinian cause, but it's more of... We need to ally with Israel in their technology, in their in their science, in their powerful military, and their ties with the U.S. Mm-hmm. against the Iranian mullahs. Um, mm. And because Iran has obviously been asserting its influence a lot more in the Middle East, they have they are they have proxy armies like the Houthis in Yemen, the yep. Hezbollah in Lebanon, and they have Hamas. All, all two of the three, by the way, are on the Israeli border. So. And Israel, being the arch enemy of Iran, is the perfect ally to ally against Tehran. And mm-hmm. the Gulf countries know this, and so they go to a, they go to the Israel and they say, "Look, let's let's make a little bit of a deal." And furthermore, and, the, and this is another thing that isn't mentioned that much, but I believe it's just as important, is that the United Arab Emirates is the one that recognizes Israel. Its economy mostly runs on oil, and they need to diversify. In Israel, they. We're also a desert. But unlike the UAE, Israel has no oil. The Levant, there's no oil in Jordan. There's none in Lebanon. There's none in Israel. And so Israel managed to take a desert nation that was rather poor um, before its creation and turned into this wealthy, prosperous nation um, that has the highest GDP per capita in the Middle East. And, um, well, outside of the wealthy Gulf nations like Bahrain, but in the Levant, for example. And so you in their technological innovation, their medical field, um, their tourism industry, it's all huge. And the United Emirates, they want to capitalize on that. They they say, if we work with Israel, we can become like them and we can diversify our economy. Because look, we cannot, we can't, can't keep shelling out oil forever, man. It's going to go away. We're using the solar power, the nuclear energy. There's fracking now going on. So right. our oil, it's, it's going to run out eventually. Yeah, I hope not, but it will. And <laughs> as the United Arab Emirates, we got to make sure we do this. So, um, Pr- Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayan of the United Arab Emirates had a little talk with Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, uh, um, which was kind of 
overseen by President Trump in the United States, and they agree, and Yomai Barberitz agreed to recognize Israel as a country in return for Israel pledging to not annex the West Bank. Mm-hmm. Now, does this mean that much? That's up for a little bit of a debate, because Israel pretty much controls the West Bank at this point, um, but, but they have been threatening to, or saying that they're going to extend Israeli sovereignty over the West Bank, and this, this has kind of, been a, been a source of fear within the Arab community. The United Arab Emirates saying, well, look, we can't actually trust, we, we don't want Israel to do this because this is Palestinian land. So how can we just let Israel get away with this? So the UAE used the West Bank annexation as a way to um, ally with Israel and recognize them. And so this is not uncommon. This has been going on for years at this point. Ever since Iran started to get funded a lot and they started to really become a regional power, the UAE is threatened by them. And mm-hmm. so they turned to Israel again. So Iran is absolutely furious at the UAE for signing this peace deal with Israel. Again, Iran is the arch enemy of Israel. They do not like when Arab countries recognize their enemy. How dare you say Israel exists? How the dare. nerve. So this deal, um, is, is obviously, is obviously, like I said, angering Iran. In fact, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, which is kind of like the U.S. version of the Marines, um, the elite unit in Iran. The, it has threatened the IRG, with Iran with or the UAE with a quote unquote dangerous future due to them agreeing to a talk with Israel. So they're threatening the United Arab Emirates. They said that they're abandoning the Palestinian cause. You don't care about them anymore. You're, you're talking to these evil Zionists, as the president of Iran said. And this has, well, really, really shown that the UAE that they're willing to go through with this because they knew what the reaction a reaction of Iran would be. So the fact that the UAE is willing to go through with this shows how much they do not like Iran, mm. and it's likely that other countries are going to follow in the path of the UAE: Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, all warming up to Israel, Oman, mm. deal in the making. So all of this stuff is what you're seeing. And tensions between Iran and Israel have been increasing exponentially for a while now, with the Israeli army carrying out bombing raids in southern Syria to deter Iranian influence. Um, there's bases around the southern part of the country, and Israel has no fear about taking those out, because Syria is on the Israeli border. And although Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, is but a puppet of Iran, mm. um, Israel does all it can to deter direct threats from the country. And so... Just to reiterate my point, Muhammad Javad Zarif, the foreign minister of Iran, called this betrayal to, to the Arab world and all Muslims within it. So you are being very bad, UAE, by recognizing them. And mm-hmm. Turkey's kind of jumped on this train also, siding with Iran against Israel, because Tur- Erdogan of Turkey also does not like the Jewish state either. Right. Um, so it's a little bit of a coalition forming. Like, with Israel or against it? It's kind of hard to tell right now, but mm. uh, most political analysis... Uh, and, Anal- analyzers Analyst. of the analysts of the <laughs> Middle East do believe, and they tend to agree that most of these countries are going to start recognizing, most of the Gulf states are going to start recognizing Israel, whether that's for strategic purposes or to diversify their economy. Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, Israel being recognized, something's going to happen. And tourism between the UAE and Israel is expected to open up in the next month. Um, ah. You know, a lot of Israeli citizens are really excited because they can visit Dubai. Um, right. Because they want to do that. Yeah. Nice cars, nice buildings. Yeah. Oil. Oil. This seems like a case of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Would that that is pretty accurate? much what's going on here, yes. Cool. So, that is very interesting. This deal, again, is huge. But for now, we're going to see how it plays out. Will Iran actually act on this threat to the UAE? Who knows? Maybe in their proxy wars, especially yeah. in Yemen. 
Yeah. So, anyways, we're going to move on to China now. Um, this, this story's a little bit more funny, but I thought I'd throw it in because why not? So there was a, rest- a restaurant in China, in the Chinese city of Changsha, has apologized for weighing its customers before they enter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They so, were weighing their customers? They were weighing their customers. Wow. So, we'll get into why in a minute, but what was happening is before sitting down, there were two giant scales in front of these restaurants, and... They would make every customer weigh themselves, and then the restaurant would recommend how much sesh what you should eat. So you know, uh, if you put it on the kind of like Weight Watchers, yeah. Except it's a restaurant. So if you are a little bit on the he- more heavy side, mm-hmm. they would say, "Don't order as much food. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. You don't need it." Or maybe you should try this nice bok choy um, green bean dish <laughs> instead of this pork and heavy fat dish. You just you no know, judging. It's just we're just trying to help you, and so naturally. Some people were a little bit offended by this, uh, with a restaurant telling them what they can and can't order. In fact, um, this restaurant went viral, Weibo, which is the most popular social media app in China, with over 300 million views, in which citizens across the nation expressed their outrage with this restaurant. How dare you call customers fat? How dare you call them skinny? Let the people eat what they want. Mm-hmm. But... The reason the restaurant was doing this originally is because of the campaign launched by Pre- Chinese President Xi Jinping last week to stop wasting food. So Xi Jinping called the amount of wasted food a, quote, shocking and distressing, uh, quote, act. And he's asked the citizens of China to be more conscientious about the type of food that they're consuming. Mm. He's saying that the Chinese people are wasteful. They are not respecting. They're not they're not valuing how much food they have. Right, because some people in the world don't have as much food. In in China, for example, our people used to be impoverished, and now that we're doing much better, you're just going to rub it in the face of our ancestors. Mm. How dare you? How dare you? And so this restaurant's like, wait, I was just doing what Mr. G. Ping asked. I was just being a conscientious restaurant owner. So mm. they apologized profusely, and in a statement, I they said specifically, our original intentions were to advocate stopping waste and ordering food in a healthy way. We never forced customers to weigh themselves. Um, so they're saying, hmm. yeah, so they're saying, I mean, we, we weren't we weren't trying to offend people. We weren't trying to force people to reveal their weight to everyone around them. We were just trying to stop the wasteful food incentive. And if you're putting on a little bit more weight, you don't need to eat as much. I'm sorry, you don't. And that's what the restaurant was saying. Um, but this, again, was very offensive to a lot of Chinese people. You don't comment on that type of stuff. It's just rude, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I'm in a restaurant. I should be able to order what I want. I don't need to be reminded about my weight. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people were thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the Chinese government has also threatened to shut down any social media accounts that promote excessive eating. So, you know, those YouTubers that are like, I'm going to eat as much as I can. Oh, yeah. That is excessive and disgusting, oh. according to the Chinese government. How dare you eat food that you do not need to consume? Uh, I follow a few food Instagram pages. I'd be disappointed if they got rid of it. Yeah, well, let me yeah. tell you, most citizens of China do not, because government does not let them. All right, well. Yeah. Yeah. That is a reality of a Chinese citizen. But at least they have Weibo. At least they have the Weibo. Indeed. That was, very, that was very smart and original. <laughs> I'm surprised TikTok isn't the most popular. Well. It'd be how it'd be sometimes. Oh, well. Anyways, um, me, we're going to move on a little bit east of China to Japan. Ooh. So, so it is the 75th anniversary of Japan's surrender in World War II. Um, mm. And Emperor Naruhito, the current um, constitutional monarch of the 
Empire has apologized for the once massive and brutal crimes of the Japanese soldiers. So Japan in World War II had this little thing where they would go into a country, take all their resources, yeah. imprison most of the local population, rape the women. Yep. Um, kind of generally be very unpleasant people to the locals. Right. Um, and they did this to China. They did this in Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, um, the yep. southeastern Asian countries. They just weren't very nice. They thought they were the supreme race, similar to what Hitler thought with the Aryan race. Yep. And so that is what they that that is what was happening. So Emperor Naruhito, he said specifically in a quote in the ceremony that was happening for this anniversary. Reflecting on our past and bearing in mind the feelings of deep remorse, I earnestly hope that the ravages of war will never be repeated. Um, and, and so good job, Naruhito, acknowledging the crimes, moving yeah. on with life. Yeah. You know, because Narahito, he knows what his grandfather did. He knows he's not a very nice man. But Narahito has worked hard to restore the reputation of Japan. So, Japan also has a prime minister. And interestingly enough, the mainstream media was quick to point out that Prime Minister Shinzo Abe never commented on the war crimes of Japan. Instead, his speech revolved more around the sacrifices of the Japanese Imperial Army. And... It also talked, his speech mainly focused around the sacrifice of these troops that died in all these major battles. He talked about the bombs being dropped on Japan from the U.S. that kind of killed hundreds of thousands of people. And then also, he stressed the importance of deterring China and North Korea, um, so calling them global global threats. And he said that the Japanese army needs to be strengthened and that it needs to stop becoming a defensive force and more of a power powerful army and because china is obviously pushing its power a little bit in the south china sea and north korea is right alongside them japan doesn't feel very comfortable since it's right next to both of these countries so i would feel uncomfortable too yeah so so shinzo abe's speech did not even mention the war crimes but you know he's the prime minister he's not the emperor he didn't do anything um yeah in his defense, is is what a lot of people are saying in response to the critics um, calling out Shizu Abe for not doing so. So anyways, it's just important. I just thought it's important to, me- to recognize that it is the 75th anniversary of the war. It killed lots of people. Um, and a lot of people forget the Japanese side of the war. So yep. don't forget that part. Hitler was bad, but Japan was not a very nice guy no. either. So anyways. Well, we're I would say happy anniversary, but that would feel inappropriate, I guess. <laughs> so we're going to move on now, before you make anything inappropriate oh. out of the situation, we're going to move on <laughs> to Uganda. So, Uganda has a nice runner, a very skinny dude, called Joshua Cheptekai, and he has broken the record for the 5,000 meter run, coming in with a time of 12 minutes and 35 seconds, beating the former record that was 12 minutes and 37 seconds. Two seconds. Seems small, seems small, but it's a lot. Yes. Because it's hard to get every one of those seconds in. Mm. And so this was done in Monaco. And for most of the race, Cheptegei was extremely close with Stuart McSwine from Australia. Um, they were neck and neck, but it, he lagged behind him until the third lap. Um, a lot of people were saying that he was trying to conserve his energy, and then he just sprinted ahead at the, for the last stretch of the race. I don't know. I'm not a running expert. But it's always right. cool to mention when world records are broken. He won, in fact, 20000 U.S. dollars. Um, you you get that for winning, but then he also earned another fifty thousand on top of that because he broke a world record. Nice. So Mr. Chegatai, he probably gets a, taxed a lot. A little bit loaded now. Yeah, <laughs> probably taxed a lot. Um, this wasn't again. This wasn't Monaco, which is a little country in southern France, very wealthy, has the most billionaires millionaires per capita. Wow, which is cool. Fun fact. 
Thank you. It is. You're welcome. What am I going to do with it now, though? I don't know. You can go on Jeopardy. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. You're right. I want to go to Monaco. Anyways, um, yeah, that, that that's happening. Good good job, Chapticai. You broke the world record. Happy happy world record day. Um, so, I don't know. Anyways, that's just, I thought it was cool to mention. Anyways, we're going to move on to our last story, a little bit more serious. Michael Colley, the chairman of Ireland's Tourism Authority, or should I say the former chairman, has resigned from his post after his personal trip to Italy was uncovered. So, he took a trip to Italy. What's so bad about that? Well, let me tell you, Ian, it was very bad. Because, as the chairman of the Tourism Authority, he's supposed to set an example for the people of Ireland, and he launched an initiative called No Place Like Home, in which he encouraged the Irish citizens to travel within their country domestically and not leave the country. However, he decided to go on vacation to Italy. Oh, oh hypocrisy. Hypocrite. <laughs> so, yeah, he resigned. He was a little bit embarrassed because, again, he defied his own orders, and he said in a resignation statement, I fully support the government's policy on tourism, and I will continue to help the industry emerge from its current difficulties. It has been a privilege to serve as the chair of Falte, Ireland, and have contributed to the massive growth with which Irish tourism has enjoyed prior to this global pandemic. So he's not wrong. I mean, Irish tourism is hurting a lot, uh, right. but this resignation comes as a little bit of a shock because we did not think he was taking a trip to Italy. He tried to cover this up with some Irish local Irish newspaper. I cannot remember the name for the life of me, but it revealed it. He just revealed this to the public, and everyone was like, oh my god, Collie, you evil man, how dare you tell us to stay home? I wanted to go to Rome, and you thought you could just go instead and get away with it. <laughs> no way. Resign. And he's like, I just wanted to go to Rome. He just wanted to go to Rome. He just wanted to go to Italy. Wow. But, that was pretty hypocritical of him. Yeah. So. Well, you know what he should do when he's on the plane ride to Italy or wherever his adventures take him? Can I take a guess? You can take a guess. I think, Go for it. I think he should download The World at Large and listen to it. Oh. And if you guys didn't know, The World at Large is what you're listening to right now. Yeah. So, because that is our last story, I'm going to tell you you should also download our episodes in the future and continue to keep up because we cover world news from all over this beautiful, beautiful planet. So, if you enjoyed this episode, because that, again, is our last story, please feel free to subscribe. Leave a stellar review of us. And, of course, like I always say, you don't want to just leave a review of five stars, because five stars is great, but that's only half the story. you got to actually tell the story, not just not just hint at it. So, yeah. right, leave us a nice comment. Yep. Make Ian's day, because he loves always when you leave does. those nice comments. Yep. And, yeah, Makes definitely sense. share this with other people. Um, again, download it. Yeah. Listen all the way through. Share with your family, your friends. Yeah. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Yep. We've been growing good and we appreciate all the support. So keep it coming. We do. And if you have, and if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please feel free to follow us on Instagram at Politics1001 if you were not doing that originally. But with that, we are going to wrap it up. Um, we are Politics1001 and this is the world at large. Goodbye.